the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into hour two. It is a real privilege to welcome our next guest. I first got to know him as an um, expert on terrorism and the cultural and uh, the cultural and other aspects of the war on terror. I then got to know him as a friend and then as a physician. And uh, today, all three, as well as a guest host, he is Dr. Zudi Jasser. He is the founder and president of the American Islamic Forum. For democracy, he is also a fine physician, a uh, best physician I know, and he is the head of the Jasser Center for Comprehensive Care here in Phoenix. Jasserim.com is the website. Zudi, welcome back. How are you, sir? Yes, sir. Oh, there we go. <laughs> All right, there we are. <laughs> I was worried about that for a moment. Uh, belated uh, happy birthday. I know I know it was your birthday because according to the Internet, you and I share the same birthday, which means you can't trust everything on the Internet. But I know you had a birthday, so happy birthday to you, sir. Thank you. I'm, I was, the, uh, I'm the speed limit now. Uh, yeah, oh, are you? 65. Uh, 65 on the highway. <laughs> no, huh? 50, uh, 55. Well, yeah, see, you got to clarify. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think you were a school zone. Um, Bill and I and a few others, we have this game of if you're walking by the TV and a guest is on, who who is so good or so so in, uh, you know impressive that you want to stop and, and watch and listen to what they have to say? I was watch, walking by, Fox News was on in the lobby, and you were on. Uh, this was uh, after I had already booked you to join us. You were talking about another issue than we were going to talk about. Let's do both. What were you, you were on with Mark Thiessen, someone I know as well. What were you talking about with Mark? Uh, it, it sounded like it looked like a really interesting thing our audience might want to know about. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, obviously the uh, soccer uh, uh, World Cup is happening in Qatar, and uh, the, there was a, a uh, we had a discussion about the security situation and the terror threat, and Israeli intelligence revealed that uh, uh, there's been a lot of chatter coming out of Iran that uh, Iran uh, is sort of uh, mobilizing, uh, uh, trying to uh, poke some of their assets that include the Houthis in Yemen or even ISIS, which is uh, uh, across the Sunni-Shia divide, but still, obviously, they have similar enemies. So um, we were talking about what that threat is, if it's real. Uh, I think, obviously, from Iran's perspective, people forget that Qatar is one of their allies. They share natural gas fields with them and have a significant amount of their uh, domestic product come from the same sources, so I, I would have a hard time believing that Iran would would do anything that might jeopardize that, since they're hurting as far as sanctions and other things go. Uh, but you never know. They're right now reeling from the internal um, revolution that's happening with the uh, women, life, and liberty movement that started with Mahanaimini, Mahanaimini from September, and now you have uh, hundreds that have been. Uh, killed by the government, uh, are protesting, and the protests have continued now for months, and they're trying to do anything to deflect that while they continue to lock down their population. And um, we is, it a, is, it a concern, I, yeah. is it a concern when a when a when a regime like Tehran has civil 
unrest as they're experiencing now in these protests to that they might in fact try to reunify or unify the country by a foreign uh, a, a foreign objective i.e. foreign it terrorism is. foreign war it is i mean if if you look at history uh many of these countries i mean that's why russia right now is a significant uh, threat too um if you uh, uh see how much they're they're yeah. uh, having their you know what's handed to them in ukraine yeah. um uh, they're prohibited from being in uh in in the world cup and uh qatar even though they've also worked closely with russia and iran uh have uh, uh also noted that one of the main threats is coming from russia so a lot of these governments that have internal strife or or are losing on some fronts will create other fronts in order to justify militancy. You saw that with the Assad regime when they had their revolution. Uh, they they fueled ISIS and, and did everything possible to create uh, terror threats uh, in order to legitimize militancy and legitimize uh, genocidal acts. And, and that's exactly why Iran can never have nuclear weapons. And the Biden administration doesn't get that. And actually, the interesting thing is, as Mark pointed out today in our interview, you know, it's amazing that we're talking about how the Iranians are worried about Qatar. That would be the main reason they wouldn't do it is because Qatar is sort of like the neo-caliphate center of the Islamist radical world. They support Hamas. They support even... A lot uh, of influence uh, operations, too, right? Yeah, absolutely. We have had many financiers from Qatar that uh, our U.S. Treasury Department has blocked uh, uh, because of their financing of terrorism, uh, not only with American organizations, but with the Muslim Brotherhood uh, operators. And don't forget Al Jazeera, one of the main radicalizing fonts of, of the Muslim world, is based in Qatar. But, you know, to, to, to Mark's point, in that uh, ultimately the, the war, uh, whatever wars might exist, um, it's not going to, you know, at, at some point, um, you know, we're going to have to defeat uh, the the ideologies, yeah. if you will, and yeah. and people forget that Qatar has not only our military base, uh, but uh, was blockaded for a while by the other Abraham Accord countries from 2017 to 2021, and they're not really an ally. They uh, we need to wake up to the fact that you know Iran has only been afraid of what Qatar would do. It's not afraid of what America would do because Biden administration has been so feckless on this issue. You know, it's it, it may strike some people as odd as it strikes me a little bit, um, too, I have to confess, to have this conversation because we used to have these conversations all the time, things about war on terror, war against terrorism, uh, the terrorist threat. And Zudi, the question is, have we have we just kind of given up on it or have we so solved it that we can speak about it so infrequently now? We haven't solved anything. Yeah. We are, we've given up on it, and we've, uh, uh, you know, we've allowed basically a Darwinian doctrine, a uh, Darwin doctrine, if you will, where, uh, you know, the the Qatars of the world seem to get away with slavery, with uh, anti-Semitism, with with fueling terror around the planet, and and we just sort of leave our bases there and, and turn a blind eye. And actually, now we're helping them with security. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Qatar has, has, by the way, the other thing I mentioned, you'll notice there's hardly been a terror attack ever in Qatar, which yeah. is 
you know, that sort of proves that they're probably the source of the problem. <laughs> because, you know, that would probably be the only reason ISIS wouldn't actually coordinate an attack in Qatar right they're now. Already there. Because, they're, they're already there. They're on the same page. Yeah. They're, yeah they're why would from, they Why yeah. would they hit their main right. benefactor, right. you know, the folks that have been fueling them in Turkey and all over the planet? Yeah. So, yeah, we've not been fighting this. And, and you know, I just came back from a meeting in Austria with a, a coalition called the Clarity Coalition, uh-huh. which we formed as an outgrowth from our Muslim reform movement, and CLARITY stands for Champions for Liberty Against Radical Islamist Tyranny. Oh. And we're trying to create sort of a diverse left and right uh, alternative to the red-green axis that you and I have talked yeah. about, which we're calling sort of the red, white, and blue axis okay. of freedom and organizations in Europe, Canada, and the U.S. that sort of share what you what you and I just talked about yeah. as being a, a conflict we failed. And uh, hopefully we can move the ball forward without the governments that seem to be asleep. Well, sign me up any way I can help if uh, if you want me to be. I, I love your work, and, and I commend it highly. Again, people can learn more about it uh, through uh, his website at the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, AIFdemocracy.org. I did reach out to you for another uh, topic. Um, I don't know if this is going to have the same consequences. I have a feeling it's going to have dramatically terrible consequences, and this is the growing, how would you call it, the growing wokeism uh, taking place in our medical schools. I, I sent you a piece at the University of Florida is now pushing um, is now pushing DIE uh, coursework and curricula on its students. You had highlighted a survey that was done by a friend of yours, uh, Dr. Stanley Goldfarb, Goldfarb on medical schools being even more woke than we think. California has this new law, I guess, set to go into effect that physicians, uh, licensed medical uh, board physicians, cannot disagree with what the government or the state of California says when it comes to what the state legislature defines as misinformation or medical disinformation when it comes to COVID. This is rapidly becoming worse than I don't know, the most left-wing... This is becoming worse in medicine than Evergreen State University in liberal arts. It is, and it's it's, it's the epitome of brainwashing and, and groupthink. You know, I teach medical ethics. I've been teaching it for 25 years and have run a bioethics program for quite a while. And, and you know, one of the first things we teach in 101, the first lecture on ethics is if you look bioethics back in the 50s, there was really no literature on it. It evolved out of the civil rights movement, and the civil rights movement sort of taught us in America that, you know, at the end of the day, not only do we need to better understand our, our Constitution, but uh, we're all created equal, and, and, and there was a movement for autonomy, and, and every science, every field mirrors what happens in culture. Hold and, that thought, uh, Hold that thought part, there. i gotta t- I got to take yeah. a quick commercial break. Let me pick up on that when we come right back with you. Dr. Zudi Jasser is our guest, Z-U-H-D-I-G-A-S-S-E-R. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Dr. Zudi Jasser is our guest. Among other things, he is the head of the Jasser Center for Comprehensive Care. We're talking about wokeism in medicine. Dr. Jasser, you were saying right before the break that almost every institution or every institution will ultimately reflect its culture. This culture, this this fetish we have of diversity, inclusion, and equity— I didn't think would hit the sciences the way it has, but boy, it has taken them over, and it's in the med schools now, and we're teaching doctors, I guess, 
uh, maybe not quite yet as much about surgery and virology as we are about racism and racialism, but it's getting there. It seems to be an awful lot, and we're shutting them up in California if they don't follow what the California State Assembly says with regard to treatment of COVID. It must be a very, very worrisome thing to see in your profession, and if not a little scary about your practice, too, someday. Oh, it, it really is. And, and you know, I went into medicine uh, uh, because I, if I value the doctor-patient relationship, the, the autonomy of it, the personal nature of it, and that, you know, I had thought uh, of being the son of a physician that there was nobody else in the exam room. But now, you know, if you look back, uh, as I was mentioning, that, you know, it was downstream of culture, we saw uh, all the ethical principles come to light, and yep. departments of bioethics were, were developed in the 70s after the civil rights movement. And now, as Breitbart said, uh, uh, culture, you know, politics and, and society is always downstream of culture. And right now we're seeing a huge shift as as we're being told that we are born racists and we're, we all must be racist in our institutions and your doctors are racist and they have to admit to it or they'll be fired. And we're also seeing a corporatization where you're having uh, a lot of these large uh, Wall Street companies and private equity firms are buying out practices. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the diversity and equity and inclusion programs are pushing us to the cliff. But don't think twice. Don't even think that that's why physicians are leaving medicine. Okay. 120,000 physicians left medicine in the last two years out of the 1.2 million we have in America. That percent left because of the economy. Okay. They left because when we're being bought out, you have inflationary ec- economics and we can't change our prices. So the only institutions that can survive are the hospital insurance companies that can increase their intake by insurance rates going up and we can't change our prices. So yes, we get to the cliff because of being told that we're racist and self-haters and our country's horrible and you know, if you look back at Obamacare, who ran who developed the Obamacare principles? It was Zeke Emanuel, the head of the ethics program at uh, uh, NIH. Uh-huh. And ultimately, he wrote a piece in The Atlantic that basically told us in 2010 that he wanted to be DNR after he was 75. And so this became a huge shift in what was medical care's role. Was it to uh, actually give people the choice to pick their care, or were they being told? And that's where we had the discussion of death panels and yeah. other things that many of us on the right were worried about. And here we are. Now we're being told that the culture is is bad. Physicians are are somehow racist and that we are discriminatory and we need to spend most of our education not about meritocracy and quality of health and innovation, but actually about, uh, uh, um, you know, learning about how bad we are as human beings. How much of this came out of the BLM movement of 2020, but also COVID. I mean, the COVID stuff changed an awful lot of, 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 of the way we thought about physicians and medical care and health and truth and science and autonomy. It seems like it was that was a perfect storm. The year 2020 seemed to be an inflection point for the practice of medicine, even to the point where we had doctors. I think it was a letter of a, over a thousand doctors that that were given the OK and the thumbs up to uh to to go into the streets and have community congregate settings if 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 they were there to protest racism which was as equally an important disease you remember that it put it on it gave it jet fuel to the politicization of medicine um where all of a sudden physicians were no longer simply 
uh, um, taking care of our patients, but we were somehow becoming tools of the state in order to shut down everybody's businesses, in order to shut down their freedom, and, and telling them now that if they eat. The New England Journal a month ago said that if kids wear masks, somehow it's better for them. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's sounding like the Saudi Medical Journal, not like the American <laughs> Medical Journal. I mean, it doesn't even make any sense. They're, they're not even using science anymore, but they're, they're sort of escalating in an exponential way the politicization of, of basically using your doctor as an arm of the government yeah. to, to find some medical justification which isn't even scientifically validated. And yes, but I will tell you, it was baked into the DNA of the Obama administration, yeah. really. And and that's sort of what uh, put it into play. I don't think they came up with all this stuff in the past two years, but I think the exploitation and sort of pushing medicine to the front of it and the educational system to the front of it, those two arms of institutions, I think, were at, were jet jet fuel. Yeah, they by were COVID, accelerants. Absolutely. They were accelerants, and, and, and it certainly activated the leftist impulse, or at least gave them a green light. You know, one of the, speaking of COVID, one of the things that you used to come in every Friday in the first year, almost every Friday during 2020, when we were going through it to try and explain it to us, and one of the things I remember we were concerned about uh, was that you know we were going to especially with the with the with the with the triage in favor and deference to COVID and the shutdowns we were going to and you know not being able to see physicians and so, that sort of thing we were going to see a, an explosion of other health problems because we were putting off certain kinds of screenings. I noticed a story in the Guardian the other day. Headline is Europe faces cancer epidemic after estimated one million cases missed during COVID. They missed the screenings there. And so there's now a cancer epidemic facing Europe. Are we seeing uh, any any kind of bubbles of that kind of happening here? Are you seeing it in your practice? Are you seeing it in others practices? Yeah, I'll tell you what the indicator is. It's not, you know, nobody's reporting on it. Very few are. I mean, I, I, I'm happy to hear that what you just said, that somebody's talking about it. In Europe. But I'll tell you what the Europe. greatest indicator <laughs> yeah, is. In Europe, they're talking about it, yeah. Absolutely. Is, is, is ask your listeners how long they're waiting to see their doctors yeah. now. Yeah, it, it, The wait time, for my own practice, I, I used to be able to get all my patients in within a few days or a week yeah. for, for things they needed to be seen for. Now I'm, I'm working 12 hours a day and barely able to, uh, you know, uh, because you can't increase your prices, you no. can't. There, there's something has to give, so it ends up becoming like Canadian healthcare, yeah. or where where we have too much into the system. So now, patients that I refer for surgery, they're being scheduled in February, April for for some simple. Others are biopsies. I can't get them in to see cancer specialists. No. Uh, so I can tell you, the wait time is creating a shift in the standard of care, and uh, you know the the lawyers, by the way, are, are sort of part of the problem because. They allowed the medical oh, those you can get to have a pass. Yeah, yeah, there's no wait time for the lawyers. No, no. And there's no cap on their, on, on, on what their hourly rate is either, Dr. Jasser. Yeah, that's You're right. You know, exactly. That's it. That's it. There was a generation of, uh, of physicians in my father's era that had a nickname for that. I guess, I guess I can't say it on air, <laughs> but in any event, uh, Think of think of what the Democrats in Tucson called the Fourth of July and apply it to the lawyers. There you go. All right, Zudi Jasser, you are a treasure, and uh, thank you, sir. I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. You too. God bless. God Thanks, bless. Sir. I am Seth Liebson. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be right back.
Gold has been used as money for nearly 3,000 years. Today, it remains a common sense investment that's simple and straightforward. You don't need a pushy commission salesperson to tell you why you should buy gold. You already want it. All you need is a reputable dealer with advice based on experience and a complete range of bullion and coins so you get what you want at the best value. In comes the Midas Gold Group. They're veteran-owned and veteran-staffed and proud supporters of this show and this station right here on 960 AM. They're fighting for your right to the financial privacy and stability that gold offers. Trust the dealer that I and Sebastian Gorka and thousands of you already know and trust. That's the Midas Gold Group. Visit them in person at 625 West Deer Valley Road in Phoenix or give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. This is the giving season, giving mood. We're in that here. And so uh, the next caller, I'm going to give uh, another pair of tickets to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra concert on December 4th. It's at the Footprint Center, downtown Phoenix. You know the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Great music, great holiday music. They're doing a concert, and we have two free tickets to give you for their December 4th concert if you'd like to go. And if you are the next caller here at 602-508-0960. Many of you, uh, based on my emails, asked me to repeat this thread on uh, what the media has uh, risen our blood pressure on only to be proven wrong and yet again wrong and wrong again. Uh, Last couple days, the story has been about CBS finally discovering that the Hunter laptop has been, uh, or at least by their independent investigation, they can now validate and verify it that eh, it wasn't Russian misinformation after all. Well, wake up and smell the copy, CBS. And New York Times validated it in March as if it was needed because it was validated by the New York Post and the Daily Mail in 2020 when the story first broke and you all colluded to censor it and you changed an election in doing so. You changed an election. Nine percent of Biden voters in battleground states said they wouldn't have voted for Joe Biden had they known the story. You want election interference? You guys did it. You and the media did it. I raised the question yesterday with the hearings that Jim Jordan and other House Republicans might undertake. Might they undertake hearings on what these ex-intelligent officials uh, and these ex-intelligent experts, the 50-plus of them who said it had the earmarks and the looks of Russian disinformation that the rest of the media hung their hat on, might might we investigate um, and have hearings, even if it's behind closed doors so as not to expose sourcing and methods, have hearings on them, and maybe put their security clearances at risk. Maybe they don't deserve their security clearances if they're going to weaponize it for political activities. Is that a thought? Is that a possibility we might take up? I think we should. And then might we also talk to some of these news editors at some of these major news organizations? Yeah, let's talk to the New York Times. Let's talk to CBS. Let's talk to ABC and put them on the stand and ask them just how confident they were that this was all so much disinformation, how comfortable they felt in the judgment to censor a fellow news organization. Let's get Mark Zuckerberg up there. Let's get Jack Dorsey up there and ask them about that. Now, the irony is, as I mentioned yesterday, the news organizations, I don't know that the intelligence officials can make this claim, but the news organizations might try and shield themselves by wrapping themselves in the First Amendment, saying any such questioning 
would be a violation of their First Amendment rights. Well, how about the New York Post's First Amendment rights? They censored it. They censored the New York Post and they censored that story on social media and elsewhere with an acceleration like I've never seen journalists do to a fellow journalist organization before. I've never seen that kind of behavior before. It stunk to high heaven and it was clearly weaponized and designed, clearly weaponized and designed to alter the election and protect Joe Biden and his family. Let's have investigations on 10 percent for the big guy to be sure. But let's have investigations into the media and their actual effectuation of the election. And let's investigate these so-called intelligence officials for just how much of their expertise they were wielding around as a sword against the American people for their political predilections and preferences and strip them, if necessary, of those security clearances, which I believe they ethically and morally surrendered in that abhorrent act of expertise waged against the American people. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you're concerned with stock market volatility, why refi has a solution for you. It's an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. And there's no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like and no surprises. Your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly. There are no fees. It's a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate of up to 10.25%. That's right, up to 10.25% rate of return. A due diligence approved firm, you can check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, refy.com, or give them a call at 888 refi 34 That's 888 refi 34 I guess they're um, rebooting uh, the TV show Frasier, which is one of the great shows of all time. And uh, when I think of it, I think, uh, especially this time of year, of that great dialogue, um, Marty Crane, the dad, played by uh, John Mahoney, who passed away just a couple of years ago, he's having uh, with Daphne, right? Um, he's having a conversation in the kitchen. You know, he wants the cranberries in a bowl that man that 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 or on a plate that maintains the shape of the can that cranberries are supposed to come in. He wants potatoes to be lumpy. Do we have the audio of this, Bill? This is so much fun. Wait, wait, wait. What are you doing? I'm mushing the potatoes. By hand, you're supposed to whip potatoes. That way, every bite tastes the same. Well, isn't that a bit bland? Hello. Welcome to potatoes. <laughs> Could you just once cook a traditional Thanksgiving meal? I mean, look at this cranberry sauce. It's supposed to keep the shape of the can. <laughs> Quiver a little bit. What are all these little chunks in there? Those are cranberries. Dad, here you are. Uh, one frozen pumpkin pie on requested. Uh, honestly, wouldn't you rather I just bake a pie from scratch? Is it that you can't learn or you won't learn? we got to use that line more. Is it that you can't learn or that you won't learn? She wants to make a pie, but uh, he got it from, uh, Niles got it from the store. I read today this morning that those Costco pumpkin pies are the best things on earth. So uh, I, I don't know if I've ever had one, but for those of you that like them, there you go. Uh, speaking of investigations, as I was, you know, it's a funny thing with all that needs to be investigated 
what does uh, what does the Department of Justice, uh, what does Gen- Attorney General Merrick Garland do? He had, he announces the appointment of a special counsel, Jack Smith, to investigate. You got it. Not Joe Biden, not Hunter Biden, but Donald Trump. Um, as uh, Victor Davis Hanson writes, uh, it, the investigate the investigation is designed to look into Trump's possession of presidential records that were hauled off from Mar-a-Lago as well as his purported role in January 6th. Of course, we know the script that will follow because we suffered through it for 22 months and spent $40 million for it under Robert Mueller's special counsel team. First, the Smith investigation will bear no resemblance to John Durham's probes. The media ignored Durham. His team did not leak to the press, and neither a Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia, nor Northern Virginia jury was ever likely to convict any perceived enemy of Donald Trump. Second, upon the announcement of uh, John Smith's legal, excuse me, of uh, Jack Smith's legal staffers, the media will grow giddy that their resumes portend another dream team, all-stars, or a hunter-killer team. Puff pieces will blanket the media. They will attest, just like good old Bob Miller, that the former Obama Justice Department public integrity unit that lawyers that lawyer Smith is from is an old hand. He's tough but fair, nonpartisan, a prosecutor's prosecutor, don't you know? Weeks into the investigation, the New York Times, the Washington Post, they will darkly inform their audiences that things like, quote, unnamed sources close to the investigation tell us that a bombshell is about to go off. Perhaps the stunning development will be similar to walls are closing in that we kept getting during the conspiratorial pinging in Trump Tower from the Alpha Bank in Russia or the game changer Christopher Steele fed Wee Moscow hotel room fable. Yet one thing that will be different this time around is that the Biden administration is in power. Garland, Merrick Garland, remains an unapologetic and embittered partisan. He's fresh off sicking a now weaponized FBI on school kids' parents and various MAGA enemies of the state. After two prior failed impeachment trials, a failed special counsel investigation, and a failed and biased January 6th committee probe, Washington government lawyers know that their last and only wily coyote chance of catching the roadrunner And now presidential candidate Trump is to get at least something into the hands of a Washington, D.C. jury. We also know the script of the 24 election, the 2024 election from the last two elections. Election Day 2004 will be an afterthought. Election night will be an introduction to election month. Sudden ballot drops will start pouring in during the wee hours. Voters who went to bed watching many Republican candidate dates with sizable leads will awaken to magical Democratic comebacks. We will again suffer through early voting, mail-in voting, ranked choice voting, and majority-only voting. The more who vote, the more we will be warned of voter suppression and election denial. Get out the vote left-wing electronically-fueled project like this year's Mind the Gap involving Sam Bankman-Fried's family or Mark Zuckerberg's $419 million de facto absorption of balloting collection in key precincts will merely be replaced with new names. There will be new, even richer, virtue-signaling billionaires. But otherwise, the same old Silicon Valley Wall Street font will vastly outraise pathetic Republican efforts. Unfortunately for Americans, the 2024 economy will likely still be wounded by nearly four years of inflation. High interest rate correctives will still have choked off the housing market. Unemployment and stagflation will still be termed transitory. Growth will continue to be slow but dubbed steady. 
High gas and energy prices will be near permanent, but coming down. A wide open border will still be termed as secure and talk of historic crime rates will be seen and labeled as racist. President Joe Biden will still shake imaginary hands, talk of passing legislation through Congress that he bypassed with executive orders and still claim gas was five dollars a gallon when he came into office. Fact checkers will ignore all that mythology and obsess over Republican lies. The left wing nexus will still warn of back alley abortions that threaten millions of women, of children still likely to die if mega MAGA voters win, of yet another January 6th in the wings, and the dangers of semi-fascist Trumpism. There will be more pre-election October surprises, such as the spurious narrative uh, about uh, violent violent actors who are who are captive of the right. Who knew that? Uh, who, who? Yeah, there will be more post-election November surprises, like the mystery sudden discovery just days after the voting that Sam Bankman-Fried was a multi-billion-dollar con artist and huge Democratic Party donor, and the appointment of yet another special counsel to investigate Donald Trump. Who would have known that prior to November eighth? Trump's Mar-a-Lago presidential papers proved neither nuclear secrets nor designed for his personal sale after all. Yet the only mystery will be why Republicans will still be shocked by deja vu all over again. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which have been brought to you by Bingo Reverse Mortgage. With inflation slamming retirees and throwing retirement budgets into chaos, with inflation at a 40-year high, the dollar just isn't going as far as it did only months ago. Gas prices high, grocery prices increasing, recession looming. Aging adults are struggling to make ends meet. A reverse mortgage from Bingo could be the safety net you need to get through these hard times by allowing you to convert the equity in your home into cash. A Bingo reverse mortgage could put more money in your pocket for living expenses, help you fight inflation, make your investments last longer, and give you the security in your retirement that you deserve. Call the veteran-owned and veteran-staffed Bingo team at 928 277 Four four seven six. That's nine two eight two seven seven four four seven six. Or visit bingoreversemortgage.com. That's bingoreversemortgage.com. Mention you heard from me, and get a free appraisal reimbursed at closing, a one thousand dollar value. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, just a programming note. Hugh Coleman's going to come up. We're going to do a deep dive into the cultural um, aftershocks of the JFK assassination. We had a caller earlier who. I think his name was Roger. Wanted to remind us of that. We were, uh, uh, we were a pro- we we knew of that, and Hugh and I wanted to get into a conversation about some similarities to the weaponization of political violence today uh, that uh, may have emanated and first started in the very very near aftermath of um, this day in 1963. Also, a real treat for you. Time flies. <clears throat> Uh, tomorrow, will uh, Bill Bennett will join us. Uh, he has just put out a 30th anniversary edition of The Book of Virtues. It's been 30 years since that book first came out. He's updated it, included some new stories. He's going to talk with us a little bit about it. If we're lucky, maybe we can uh, integrate Mrs. Bennett's uh, rules for Thanksgiving, table manners, etc. Those are always a crowd pleaser. We'll do that, but we'll do some serious talk about the state our country is in right now. I was talking to Bill the other day, 
about uh, the need, what the need for the Book of Virtues was 30 years ago. And he says the need is even greater now. You look around where this country is, how uh, disparate and divided we are. Virtues were something we were all trained on as kids and grew up with the stories that kind of united us. It was, if you will, a cultural a cultural, culturally literate glue that held society together. It's very tattered now. And so maybe this 30th anniversary edition is just the medicine we need to bind our wounds. So stay tuned for that as well. Don't go away. A lot more coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.